Live from the Bill's Famous Cheese Spread Studios in the Downstairs Pub, a special Friday afternoon edition of the Blockout Sports Pod is back on the air. From behind the master control desk in the aforementioned Downstairs Pub, I am your host and moderator for today. My name is Travis Carter. Over my right shoulder at the high top table is the big fella, the tuna country Matt Kempf, and bellied up to the bar, a man who is gracing us with his presence even though he is on the road at 5 a.m. tomorrow for vacation. The fabulous one, Freddie Benders. Fellas, it's good to see you, Fred. Glad you could squeeze us in this afternoon. Oh, hey, man. Man, I feel I'm... like you're always on vacation, dude. Like, <laughs> you, you just got by from, like, Costa Rica, and then where, where'd you go? Florida, and and, and now where were we going? Uh, uh, Travis. Iceland. And, uh, yeah, we went to spring break for the first time. Uh and I uh, t- tested that. I was with Travis and the family. It was great. And uh, uh, I am the ultimate procrastinator, trying to fit everything and anything in that I can. Um, it's not a good uh, uh, kids out there. It's try not to do that. N- none <laughs> of it's try uh, not try not to. Not a bit of it self inflicted either. No, right? yeah. no, yeah, don't try gotcha. to fit fun uh, in with yeah. packing and. Uh, kids toys and a top carrier and oh you live such a rough life man mowing the yard and my heart's going out to you buddy (laughs) well we are uh glad that uh everyone uh is here today next week's going to be a little bit different uh we're going to have our friend eric eichenberger ike who came on to break down the nba playoffs for us a couple weeks ago he will be back on uh, next week's episode, which we plan on recording as usual on Thursday night, and we hope to have uh, Freddie calling in beachside for a vacation update and a Belmont Stakes preview. What do you think? I love that. Can't wait. I'm excited to get Ike's uh, post-Celtic uh, analysis. Very much so. See what what uh, the big-time Celtic fan thinks well, about that. Can we talk about that for a minute? The good thing is, I think, that he'll have enough time to uh, you know, go through the first six stages of grief <laughs> before we... <laughs> Before we, he'll be on the acceptance part, so he might have some, uh, he might have some, some, some uh, good oh. insight and thoughts rather than uh, my team stinks. I hate basketball. Quitters. Oh, <laughs> such a new concept to me. I don't know anything about grief and sports. Um, but we do want to. Uh, I want to thank everybody who listens every week. Remind everybody that we are on social media on Twitter at blockout pod and then we're on facebook if you just type in blockout sports pod in your search bar you can find us there uh without further ado uh let's get right into what we uh were just talking about a little bit of the nba um game one of the finals was last night i think it kind of went according to plan what most people i i actually saw that the majority of people that bet on the outcome of the series bet on a Nuggets sweep. Is that correct? <laughs> Did you hear that? I didn't hear that, but I was just saying the other day, I I, I haven't made any bets on this series, but I, if I was going to, I was going to save five. I would think that the Heat would get one maybe in there, but I don't see them winning in Denver. Um, it's hard to believe that the altitude makes that big of a difference. For these kind of athletes that get there, they get they. But apparently, it does. The Everybody alti- that's played there says it does. The altitude in Denver, or Jokic's altitude, <laughs> both. <laughs> I think both have an e- equal part on uh, on the Nuggets' success. And man, they look so. They look just. They look like so much bigger. Then the heat, they look... Uh, Didn't you think they would come out just a little, like they've rested? I know they're healthy, and that's a great thing, but sometimes teams come out a little rusty, just like, no, not them. No. Like, it was like, it was like it just continued on. Murray was on fire. Uh, I tell you what, that one, uh, they've got some role players that are playing so good. The, the start that Gordon got on last night oh, was incredible. dude, and yeah. who's the kid? Who's the kid that... 
I almost think we need to talk more about him a little bit, but the kid that was the number one draft pick years ago that came out of high school, he, what, you know how some of these players like LeBron and and your, the kid from France coming out and all these are like some of the greatest number one picks. This kid came out and was a project number one pick. Uh, he plays center for them. Well, I, well, Jokic does, but he plays point guard too. Um, uh, Travis, what? Um, uh, Michael. Uh, All of a candy? No, no. <laughs> well, there's a number one draft pick that did not. Pan it's like he's out. still in the league, man. Michael uh, Porter Jr. Michael oh. Porter Jr. If I'm not mistaken, he was the number one pick in the draft a while back. Did he play at Georgetown? It, no. Okay. No, no. That's that's Otto Porter. Oh, okay. And uh, he was selected 14th. Are, was he really? Yes. But well, he was you were only number, 13 no, off. Wait a minute. He was the number one high school player in the land uh, at one time, and he was still considered like a project. But at one time, he was the number one, along with a couple Duke guys that came in there. I think it was uh, he was the uh, high school player of the year. Yes, in yeah, and, and, and they, all American McDonald's all American MVP MVP. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people know that. Like, oh, this is just a role player kid, but the Nuggets got him and just. Or wait a minute, did he go to the Nuggets first? Yes, he was drafted so, by the Nuggets. So they have just seasoned him, if you will. And I know he's had a couple injuries when he was first when he first got there. Um, but, uh, man, that kid is playing, is a great asset to them while Jokic roams the floor. He kind of does all the dirty work. Uh, he can hit a nice mid-range jumper, too. But uh, him and Pope are really, you know, they're kind of the unsung heroes, along with Gordon and some of those guys. Porter was one of those guys that they kind of took a flyer on because he'd had such bad back problem right wasn't he gonna go to michigan uh, he went to missouri oh he went to missouri so he was a freshman at missouri he played one year okay. i knew it was a gold a black team or golden blue uh and he played with another kid that was really good for missouri i mean they were but uh I, i'm just impressed with him i mean i think he's really a great role player for well them. he's had three back surgeries since he since he's That's been in the league crazy that's a lot of back surgery. A lot of times, guys don't bounce back from that, but uh, thankfully he has. What's JJ Watt's status? There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but what, what about the Celtics, uh, Travis? Are we going to go back? Just sure. real quick on last night, though, I, I just want to talk about Bam out of bio. I know they lost, but I thought that kid was incredible game. throughout that right. entire game. Right. He was the only thing keeping their head above water, really. Yeah, so. he's going to have more space down there, I think, than he did with the Celtics without Richard Williams mm-hmm. and, and uh, uh, smart hounding, uh, hounding people. I guess the best bet for the day yesterday which seemed to be the hot bet and i missed it all because i was working was his uh points assist and turnover total the over on that over under on that was 29 and a half and hell he had 26 points yeah so and i mean right. that was an easy <laughs> cover. He like yeah. 18 rebounds or something uh, i think he had 13 yeah. rebounds Dude, but yeah. uh but butler did not play well i mean you can't get 13 points out of butler and expect to win no so uh, now is Tyler Hero going to come back and play in this they, at all? He's trying to get clearance. He said he's shooting for game three. Okay. Well, literally shooting yeah. for game three. But, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you miss as much time as he has, and then expect to come and exactly really against the Nuggets contribute anything. That's where I'm at. Like these guys are in playoff flow right now, and. Now, now he played what the first series in the playoffs, and that's when he got hurt. Okay, so round one of the playoffs he was part of, but yeah, they're um, they've been clicking without him. I don't know how he's going to step in like that. Wasn't there a crazy stat in that game last night? Oh, for well, the craziest stat that I seen was uh, the fact that the Heat only went to the free throw line oh, twice. Twice, like that's how- dude. Now, now let's talk about that. How is that even how possible? In the, how does that happen with Jimmy Butler? Who is the ultimate, like he, him and Morant, in my opinion, uh, well, he's bigger than Morant, but those guys take it to the hole as much as anybody. And uh, for him, that just means that he was not 
in that game very much mentally. I would look for a classic NBA overcorrection coming up in game two and would expect whatever the over-under is on free throws uh, attempted, I would take the over for Miami in game two. Right. Oh, yeah. Because they're going to hear about that. The NBA is going to hear about that. That's been a, obviously, was a big headline coming out of the game last night. And if I know anything about the NBA, it's that they they want to quash that right away. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Heat get eight foul shots in the first quarter. Yeah, that, that is true. Two. That's something I've gathered just from watching more NBA this postseason than I have probably since I was 12, was how different the games look from week from game to game. Like, like you said, total overcorrection. Like, I that game two will have a completely well, different pace. Game three, so I on. still might be the only one that has a bet on the Heat. Still going. Uh, don't forget, I, I collected on that win over the Celtics. Well, you can put that ticket next to your Louisville Football National Championship <laughs> ticket right at the bottom of the trash can. Right, I know, I know. But uh, that would be nice to uh, at least get it to game well, five or six and see what happens. I but didn't I, think I they were going to beat you. Boston. I know, so. but this, this is just a, a mountaintop to climb. But speaking of Boston, good – I mean, oh, my God. I mean – what a disaster was that game in the Boston Garden? Uh, I mean, do y'all? I I, I want to hear what you all have to say about. It. I know we texted a little bit about it, but well, I just I thought after the emotion of winning Game Six in Miami, um, the way that they won it with you know a tip in on point two seconds to go i really felt like the first six minutes of the game of game seven was going to set the tone for and boston did jump out extremely early like the first three minutes they jumped but boy miami righted the ship right away and when that game was close at halftime i really kind of had a feeling mm -hmm. that this is miami's game and it turned out that the entire second half was just completely dominated by the Heat, which was a, a bit surprising to me because, boy, when I was growing up, you just didn't go to Boston and win a game seven. No. I <laughs> mean, especially you didn't blow them out. <laughs> well, they may have started off good. I may have been in the bathroom uh, or something, but when it, uh, <laughs> because I know they were 0 for 12. Uh, I've never seen a team just start chucking up threes the whole game. And I just think say, Tatum's yeah. injury was more of an issue than what it was. I think you're like, right. That ankle, you could tell that he was a step behind. And honestly, <laughs> who are you winking at over there? I don't know. That was. I, 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 I'm going to put a little bit on that. He didn't look like the same Tatum. Uh, well, uh, well, he or, or he had a reason to not be the same Tatum. I, I mean, what's of course what's he the reason? Want, well, you got well, some inside like rumor scoop. He, what's well, going wait on? Wait till Ike gets here. He is. Oh. He don't want to take the last shot. He may not want it. I mean, he kind of hides a little bit sometimes. And uh, I'm not saying he hid in that game, but he had a reason to not play well once that happened. Dude, he didn't hide in that Philly series, that's um, no, for sure. I, I mean, I hear you, but uh, I do think that he sometimes doesn't want to take the big shot. Uh, I mean, did you see him take the big shot in game six? What What was the big shot in game six? Well, so Smart took it. Yeah. He wasn't anywhere to be found. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know... But uh, you'll find out. For, I'll let Ike handle all that. Yeah, business, I, I need but, to be coached up on that because I have no but, clue. Well, we think he's a mama's boy, kind of. He's he. Uh, there's there's some issues with Tatum that Ike has pointed out to me that uh, are surprising. But you know, you got two All NBA. Wow. So Jason Tatum, you mama's got, boy, trash. You, you got, heard it here no, first. You've got two All NBA Celtics players. Uh huh. Okay, you got the defensive player of the year, and you're going to come out like that in the Boston Garden. Larry Bird, spit your dip out. Like, that that was atrocious. I don't care about ankle break. I mean, I've seen Bird laying on the sidelines with a bad back coming in. 
McHale perish with his knees crackling. Uh, no excuses. No excuses for that. For that horrendous. Uh, let's just chuck up threes. Okay, dude, what were they? They shot four. What were they? Something for 46 in that game? I, I don't know. Oh, it was insane. Some, I swear to God, it was like eight, seven for 46 threes. Well, it was definitely one of the most boring NBA games I've ever watched. So going in and looking at the box score would have been even more boring to me. And so. by the way, <laughs> in the last six minutes, they pretty much gave up yeah. and quit. Well, they gave up and quit a few times in that series. Uh, and they which did. Is, which, I know. It's just which is an issue, and we will definitely get Ike's uh, kind of inside feeling about that when he is on the show. Yeah, they are bringing Joe Joe Mazzula back, though. Yep, I well, saw they that. Are. I they saw are. that. I mean, he gave them their reasoning in the presser and said, "Do you think about changing your game plan at all when you were over for twelve on threes at the beginning?" No. <laughs> uh did you think that you would uh were you gonna continue shooting threes to uh, try to shoot yourself up yes okay thanks coach it's <laughs> <laughs> going to the bill belichick I mean, school of press conferences uh, <laughs> i kind of respect it uh so game two is tomorrow night correct sunday oh sunday, sunday. night sunday. that's right the sabbath that's right uh, so we will obviously on Thursday have a little bit more data to work with, uh, relative to the NBA finals. And we will get Ike's feelings on all things relative to the NBA and especially to the Celtics. Uh, moving on, I did want to touch quickly on the Indianapolis 500, which was last Sunday, which, uh, hopefully you guys listened to our two bonus episodes that we did about the 500. If you haven't, you can go back in the feed and find those. Um, Heads up, there's a tire coming Yeah, over your head. Boy, <laughs> uh, I want to talk about that in a minute, but I also want to talk about uh, just the magnitude of the event. This was another... Just enormous crowd, one of the biggest they've had in the last 15 or 20 years, uh, upwards of 325,000 people all gathered in one place. Um, they don't call it the greatest spectacle in racing for no reason, because that's exactly what it is. The race itself, uh, the first part of the race... Because I mean, I'm not going to get deep into the weeds in the technicalities of IndyCar racing, but the aero package that they have for Indianapolis is not necessarily as conducive as it has been in the past to tons of um, close quarter racing and passing early in the race. There was a lot of single file kind of follow the leader stuff until the last... 30 or so laps when not only did the excitement ratchet up, but kind of all hell broke loose to a certain extent. As Fred mentioned, we had a, uh, what could have been an incredibly tragic situation where two cars collided in the second turn. Uh, one car had a tire shear off. And from my vantage point, it appeared to me it was heading straight to the grandstands. And thankfully, it went right in between the turn two grandstands and the turn two suites. Over the chain link, uh, over the netting. Yeah, over the catch fence. Over the catch fence. And um, even then, when I realized it hadn't hit anybody in the grandstand, my concern was immediately, God, I wonder how many people were walking right outside where that thing... Let and, me get this 12-pack real quick out of my back seat. Right. Uh. And <laughs> it actually went into the parking lot and smashed into the front end of someone's car that was parked out there. Um, Premier parking spot, too, man. Yeah. I think, I, I think <laughs> How do you a, get that? I think well, a lot of those are for people that work, okay. that are working. Well, that, that, yeah. And also that have... Uh, tickets to the turn two suites. Well, that's another thing. Hey, it's easy to get to your car. You know what I mean? 
That's what that's what I was getting at. If you park way far away, the odds of you getting back to your car till the race is over are very high. But someone that's parked in a spot like that, you would think that they might be there would be more action of people back and forth in that area. That's why I was like, oh my god. Well, but uh, there's really no need to go to your car during the race because you can take anything you want. Well, to that's right. You can take anything in you with you. We had a cooler full of fried chicken. We had couple coolers full of beer. Did you know beer. that, Tuna? That, that you could just bring whatever you wanted bring in there? Bring whatever you want. No. I, I watched mean, a little video of a guy doing, um, like, walking around inside doing interviews. Like, he went to the snake pit and all that stuff. And just from the look of everything going on in there, I could assume that you could bring anything in or they're masters of sneaking stuff in. But. How, how does that work, Travis? You just, you, you, you have can. to. You have to have a cooler that fits their size parameters. I wear a full-size backpack cooler. Um, that had to be clear. No. And then uh, you, as long as you don't bring in glass bottles, you can literally, I mean, flasks of bourbon, vodka, whatever, as much beer as you want, as much food as you want. We're in. Yeah, that sounds like a great time. So you really never have to leave your seat. I left my seat, I think, Twice during the How race that to work run down in the and bleachers. Yeah, like is there room or is everyone like, "Hey, get out of the way!" I no, got my, you just uh, <laughs> come in with a, a big bunch old... of fold out chairs and umbrella. <laughs> and... That's that's why they have a size parameter. Is I got because you. most if you have a hard cooler, it slides right under your right under the bleacher. My cooler doesn't really do that, but I just kind of set it between me and my buddy, and we kind of use it as a table almost. And then if somebody needs to walk past, I just pick it up and put it on our seat, and people so, can slide right past. If you're going to the infield, can you just bring in whatever the hell you? Well, obviously, because yeah, people were bringing in car cars. In yeah, people were talking about buying old junk cars just to beat up. You bring yeah. a sledgehammer. I saw <laughs> whatever you can fit in the junk car, boys. Let's I roll saw it. the day after um, President of the Speedway Doug Bowles and some other people were walking around cleaning up, and there were literal like full sectional couches hell yeah that people had brought in <laughs> and had just left there and a couple guys were like we're taking this we're going to college next year we're taking this for our apartment <laughs> grab that futon <laughs> grab that futon over hope they're not going to west virginia we'll set uh, that thing on fire so that's really cool that's part of what makes the 500 so fun the race itself uh like i said it wasn't i mean it was fine it was the race it was great but the last 30 laps is when everything happened. There were several accidents. They did call three red flags late in the race. And for those unfamiliar, a red flag is what it, it sounds like. They stopped the race. At Indianapolis, unlike, say, NASCAR, at NASCAR, they will add laps to an end of a race if there is a wreck late that would cause the race to end under caution. It's called overtime, and they do a green flag lap, a white flag lap, and a checkered flag lap. At Indianapolis, they don't do that. The race is 250 laps, 500 miles. And in my lifetime growing up, if there was an accident, say with five laps to go, and the track was not going to be able to be cleaned in time for a safe restart, Whoever was winning the race at the time of the accident would win. And they would actually physically run the laps under yellow flag conditions. And whoever was winning won the race. Now, a few years ago, and it's all done for television. It's all done for, you know, the quote-unquote excitement of a green flag finish, which I get the casual, I think, person that tunes in just to the Indy 500 wants to see that race end under a green flag. Traditionalists like myself and a lot of the people that I go with to the race with, we all think there's maybe a happy medium. Like, I understood the first one when they threw the first red flag. The second one I thought was a little questionable. And the third one I thought at the time uh, was a little ridiculous. And it also leads to potentially an unsafe situation where they literally ran one lap on relatively cold tires to the finish, which at when cars are going 240 mile an hour, uh, 
is not necessarily safe. And I think they will make some tweaks to that. Um, they also need to probably tweak the fact that they allowed uh, Joseph Newgarden and Marcus Erickson to basically, they call it the dragon maneuver or the snake, where they basically drove to the entrance of Pitt Road at, you know, 235 mile an hour to try to break each other. You know, Newgarden was trying to break Erickson's draft. And can you imagine if a car is headed towards Pitt Lane like Newgarden's was and his suspension breaks or he loses his steering or he loses a tire and the car is careening out of control down Pitt Lane at 235 mile an hour with right, all those fuel right, tanks. Right. All the people that are just behind that wall. That's Fam- something the families that needs to be, of the drivers. Yeah, that, that's something that probably needs to be looked at. They did put a dotted line this year, which was supposed to denote don't drop all four tires under this dotted line. But Clearly, everyone just ignored that when uh, when the race was on the line. And so, do they get penalized if they go over that line? No, like, I mean so, they didn't this year. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the way to do it. Take well, some. They probably will next year because there's a very famous interview with Al Unser Jr. and they asked him, you know, how he was feeling at at the end of a race. I believe it might have been in 1989 when he. Uh, when he and Emerson Fittipaldi were battling for the lead and he got tagged and ended up in the wall. And he said, at some point in the race at Indianapolis, you don't care about living. You don't care about dying. You just care about winning. And those guys have that mentality. And until they tell, it's almost like they have to protect the drivers from themselves. That's a damn movie speech right there. Yeah, yeah, baby. Shit. Until you... Tell them, if you drop below this line, you will be penalized. You know, it was more like a suggestion this year. <laughs> and uh, clearly that suggestion was not taken to heart uh, during the last lap. But congratulations to Joseph Newgarden for Team Penske. It's Penske's 19th Indianapolis 500 win as a car owner. Oh, he is, passed the Crimson Tide, 19. Which is in her drink. <laughs> which is which is uh, an incredible feat. Roger Penske also owned, it was his first win as the owner of the actual Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which was pretty cool. <laughs> the, yeah, this guy, man. <laughs> He's been around forever. Um, Tuna, I want to hear what Tuna yeah, said he was going to watch the race. That's that's what I wanted Begin to hear. I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear what you thought as kind of a newbie to uh to the Indy 500 what were your thoughts I thought it was exciting um I enjoyed every bit of it except for the last 15 laps and then I was just I think I was just mad that it ended that way and I'd spent that last like two and a half hours watching that and it's just watching a race is a commitment like you're you're going into it I, I don't know I guess it's just like any sporting event but a race feels like more of a commitment you're watching it from start to finish and for that ending to rip away all the great racing you've seen throughout the, the course of the day, it, it kind of got me. Let me ask you this, though, Tuna. Uh-huh. Would you have rather... This, this is interesting because you are someone that's new, yeah. new to watching it. Would you have rather, when the last accident happened, they just said the last two laps are run under yellow and Marcus Erickson is the winner? No, nah, I think they should add on 20 more laps and let them run. Well, they're never going to do that. Well, it's a shame. Could be the Indianapolis 520. <laughs> they're never going to do that for a variety of reasons. Well, but um, so those, well, they need to make me the commissioner, and we'll figure it out. Those because you always win. Yeah, not this one. <laughs> those were your two options. It was either going to ru- finish under green the way they did it, mm-hmm. or they were going to just let the cars run out there at 80 mile an hour behind the pace car. And Marcus Erickson was going to win the race. No, I don't know. It's like watching a football game and it ends in a tie. It's like, you know, they play through the overtime or it's, there's just the things when you watch something awesome and it doesn't have an ending that fits up to the rest of the event. Well, and then, don't forget the leader did get passed. No, I, I'm with you. <laughs> like, well, there was a literal 
pass on the final lap. On the yeah, final the, lap, yeah. But it's like I felt then. like we knew that was going to happen, though. I didn't. I thought oh, the guy was going to hold maybe it. Maybe I just I don't understand racing are, like that. No, like, I yeah. I figured whoever was in, whoever started exactly. second was going, which is kind of why I wanted Santino Ferrucci to be in that second position. He wasn't, unfortunately. But, uh, but you know, regardless of all that, it was a, it was a, it's fabulous to watch it on television. I thought the TV coverage, the thing they need to figure out from a TV coverage standpoint, number one, is how to broadcast that race without going to commercial every oh, six dude. minutes. I know. They were dropping the box up yeah. every now, so you could keep watching the race. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. is everywhere now. Like, yeah. I feel like I went like five years without seeing that guy, and he was doing the Derby, doing Indianapolis 500. I, I mean, and he's great selling Mountain Dew. He's I don't even know what he's doing on television. I agree, man. He's awesome, especially at Indy, because it was cool. Because I don't remember what year he first came to Indianapolis, it was probably like four years ago or something like that. And he had never really been to the 500 or didn't understand it. And you could feel his genuine excitement as someone that had never. Right. Been there or didn't understand. Well, that's what's great about him. I think in every sport, mm-hmm. he's a guy's guy. You know what I mean? He's just a guy's guy, and he is very uh, inquisitive. You know what I mean? He's right. just he's he's he could be like, yeah, I'm gonna act like I know what's going on, or everything. But I think the refreshing part of him is that he doesn't do that. Yeah, you grow up with Dale Earnhardt as your dad. You're going to be humble <laughs> yeah. throughout your entire life. <laughs> yeah, that's All I want to do is race, Daddy. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And this weekend uh, is kind of a new race. Well, it is a new to IndyCar. They used to race, uh, well, years ago, they raced in the streets of Detroit. But then for many years, they raced uh, on this little island that's right outside of Detroit called Belle Isle, which Roger Penske also owns. Jeez. This year, they're going back to racing in the streets of downtown Detroit. And the cool thing about the race this year, for the most part, admission is completely free. Really? Yes. That's like Woodstock. So they're expecting, obviously, a massive crowd there. I think it's going to be super cool. I always enjoy kind of the the visuals of these races that take place in major metropolitan areas where they actually are running on the streets that if you live there, you drive every day and you go, God, I, I just saw, you know, Joseph Newgarden turn left on Hickory. Like, <laughs> you know. Those are my favorite F1 races. They're going through like right. the old towns and old cities. Um those are my favorite ones. So I, like I said, I'm new to Indy, and you said that Detroit races this weekend. Yeah, there's actually. So they a, go week to week, then, huh? Not like they used to. Okay. Um, there will probably, and I don't have the schedule in front of me, but that's one problem that IndyCar has had. They're trying to nip that in the bud a little bit because it seemed like in years past when they would gain a little bit of momentum. From having a great race on television, they would say, "Join us in three weeks when we're, you know, when we're at yeah. Iowa or whatever." Um, <laughs> they race in Iowa. They do the Iowa. This is funny. It's called the Iowa Corn Three Hundred. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> they just ripping through cornfields. I'd watch that. No, that's a. Uh, it's a small oval. Oh. Uh, yeah, but it is out in the middle of nowhere, okay. which I think a lot of Iowa, I mean, no offense to anyone who, I, I, I'm not familiar with Iowa, but it would appear from all the aerial shots and stuff that it is a, I think it's a mile, mile and a half oval, maybe, or a mile oval, I can't remember. Um, so it's fairly small then. It's much small. It's like, uh, and you know, um, another thing that a lot of people think IndyCar needs is more oval races. Um, I don't know. Uh, Indianapolis was fun to watch, but road courses is what I really like. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. Just the variation in the terrain mm-hmm. and all the, and it is probably, uh, a more technical style of driving, you know, at, at Indianapolis, as long as you find the right lines, of course, everything's ratcheted up when you're going two forty one into a turn. Uh, which is what makes Indianapolis so special. But um, 
there's a race Saturday. There's a short race, I believe, Saturday evening, and then there's a longer race Sunday afternoon. So it's a doubleheader weekend. Um, so anybody that watched any Indy this weekend and kind of got a hankering for that style of racing, uh, take a look. I believe the races are on NBC again this weekend. Um, and it'll be a totally different style of racing, but it'll be the same guys that you saw race in the 500. Uh, and it should be a cool weekend. It should be a great visual looking weekend. Cause I think there's going to be just a shitload of people there. So yeah, I'm going to definitely watch more indie racing that, and, and I mean, was it just going to run throughout the summer, right? Yeah. Their last race is probably at the season probably ends in probably late August. Okay. Well, that's perfect. It gives something in the summer to watch besides baseball. Yep. Right. Uh, speaking of baseball. Yeah, buddy. Look at that transition. Speaking of baseball, ah. uh, the college regionals are well, starting today, right? Oh, damn time. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> this weekend is jam-packed, man. This is this weekend and next weekend are two of my favorite weekends of uh, – of sports with, um, yeah, you got the regionals going on now, and the next weekend's the super regionals. But um, there is uh, there's some uh, random random matchups in here that I think some teams got screwed on here. Like, have you purchased your Dallas Baptist T shirt yet? They're playing Washington today. Travis's Huskies. How about <laughs> how about uh, West Point? I didn't even know West Point had a baseball team. You talking about Army? Yeah, yeah. They're uh, they got. I think Virginia was up ten nothing on yeah, them earlier. They're and killing is it still, them right yeah, now. That's just kind of mean by Virginia to um, beat up on the Army like that. Nobody likes but, you, Virginia. Uh, don't forget, Travis's team is not Washington in this <laughs> tournament. It is Indiana State. Well, it's actually it's IU. You got IU and, and Indiana IU, State. And IU. And Ball State, who's playing Kentucky That's right, right now. That's Man, right. That's right. So let me ask you this, Tuna. Is Indiana, in fact, the college baseball capital of the world right now? <laughs> well, I think that question doesn't even really need to be answered because it's nonsense. But <laughs> we're just going to let that one bake for a while. Guys, don't forget, Alabama and Auburn are both in that tournament. Has to be a couple from the state of Bama in there, about three or four. I just want to say, like, the most intriguing uh, regional to me is, uh, you got two of them, is this LSU regional. Um, They're getting Tulane, which is a sneaky good team. Tulane's the four seed in in that region. And... um, that's Kentucky. They also region, have right? Oregon State. No, 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 no. Kentucky's in there with West Virginia, Indiana, and oh, but LSU. Uh, Ball if, State. If Kentucky were to win, they play. Is that not right? That they... Yeah, and all that kind of depends on the super regional site. I so gotcha. yeah, I gotcha. um, who is Campbell? Who is Campbell? Where is that a person? From? No, they're in the top twenty-five in baseball. I have no idea. Campbell. I'm sorry for any Campbell fans. I don't nothing about your team, and if you're in the top twenty-five, that's really cool. But you do know Dallas Baptist. I'm aware of Dallas Baptist. Yes, um, I know they're Four, playing forty-five up at Washington. and fourteen. But back on this LSU bracket, this Tulane matchup first they got is. Um, I think Tulane has a chance to really come out of that bracket, and you also have Oregon State, which is a. Um, you know, year in and year out, that's a solid baseball program. Um, I think LSU kind of got screwed here. What They're second overall, I believe, in rankings, and they have to get Tulane as a four and Oregon State as a two. That's a rough go. Um, LSU does have a pitcher that I really like, uh, Riley Cooper. He's kind of chonky. He's got Didn't great he- hair. Uh, wide receiver for the Eagles? Yes. No, not not the racist Riley Cooper. <laughs> well, he had long hair. <laughs> yeah. Not that guy. They look nothing alike. But um Campbell University is uh in North Carolina, by the way. And okay. their and their mascot is the fighting camels, which is kind of cool. <laughs> okay. The Campbell fighting Smoke camels. Them if you, got them. <laughs> you know what? If they win a regional, I'll, I'll start buying shirts. I'm a, I'm a big Campbell fighting camel camel fan. God, that's a mouthful. Safe. The Campbell camels? <laughs> yes, it what is. What the hell? Cheers to any of their sports announcers for having to say that over and over again. One team I will not be pulling for is UConn. Okay. Sorry, UConn. You're out. Uh, Freddie is not on your side. But um, 
the Arkansas regional is is loaded up to um, TCU coming in at the two seed there. That Arkansas is a three overall coming in, and they got a tough draw. Um, what's the uh, – this is the – I think uh, TCU looked like they fell off a little bit. It's still a good team uh, that you do not, not want to play. I don't think they're rated anymore. They've lost – they're 37-22 now. Yeah. And Kentucky's a dangerous team, too, as much as I hate saying it. They're, I don't know if Doug – if, if uh, Mingione is a good enough coach to go deep in this. But they've got a bunch of older upperclassmen, grad transfers, and transfers that he just went a different route in building this team. And actually, they're RPI ranked number two. Uh, they had the toughest schedule in, in in college baseball, and they're they're actually impressive. I don't know. I, th- I think once they get in the super regionals, it may be tough. And Travis's IU may knock them out down there. So who knows? We'll see. Um. Other than that, who you guys got? Well, I don't really follow college baseball, so I've got Indiana, Indiana State, and Ball State. Unfortunately, two of them are in the same regional. Uh, uh, Indiana and Ball State are in the same one, right? Yes, they're, they're, in, they're in Lexington. Uh, where did, and Indiana State is actually hosting, right? Indiana State is hosting. Man, how cool. So anybody want to take the trip to... Uh, Beautiful Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, they're they got a tough pod. They're in there with uh, Wright State, North Carolina, and Iowa. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know anything at all about Iowa's baseball team. Um, but I do know North Carolina, and that's going to be a tough beat. Man, so, how could you tell uh, which team is which when they're if if North Carolina and Indiana State are playing? They have the Almost the exact same colors. Uh, the Argyle. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I got. True. I mean, uh, Argyle. They they just got to put Argyle somewhere on there. So it's uh, proof to be wine and cheese university. Uh, Stanford is a tough pot. Also, they they they're in there with San Jose State, uh, Cal Fullerton, and Texas A and M. Which all three of those? Wow, those are that's yeah. a tough draw. Perennial power. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it's going to be a fun pod to keep an eye on. Um, this season kind of hurts me, man. Louisville didn't m- not make it into the tournament. Uh, this is two years in a row now. Is it really? Yeah. As I was going to say, I thought it was pretty unusual for them mm-hmm. to not be there. I didn't realize they had missed it last year. As two well. years in a row. The wheels fell off at the end of the year last year, and they fell off at the end of the year this year. So, What's the problem over there? Got me, buddy. Um, I think it's just uh, – I really – I don't know. I don't know what to put my finger on. Uh, I know Dan Campbell's asking, or not Dan Campbell, but um, Dan McDonald. Dan McDonald is asking for uh, new facilities. Which, if you do look um, at other stadiums, our, I know our stadium seems fairly new, but it's twenty years old. And when you look at the other stadiums across the ACC, we don't compare to them. They're, they've got great facilities, and I understand baseball in college. Well, at least at U of L, it doesn't produce revenue, so. It's tough to throw a ton of money at this, but if you want to stay relevant, which I love college baseball, and the game's growing to where I think one day it will be revenue-producing. I think since ESPN Plus has started televising all these games and made it accessible to watch college baseball, people are realizing how fun of a sport it is. And Louisville gets great crowds over there. I mean, they do for the most part. I know... Indiana built a new uh, baseball stadium within the last, I don't know, seven or eight years. That's really nice. Uh, I saw, who did I see the other day? was maybe Vanderbilt was redoing their stadium. You know, they're a perennial powerhouse in baseball, and they were, like, rebuilding a big party deck on top and everything. And I so think it, Vanderbilt is actually one of the schools that does produce revenue in baseball. Yeah, they uh I know that there's a there's a I don't n- know the ins and outs of it, but I do know that a lot of people complain about Vandy baseball cuz they they are able to somehow give more scholarships or something. Oh, really? Or they can pay more. I, there's something different and and I hear a lot of The only thing I complain about Vandy baseball about is the Whistler. 
Uh, oh yeah. Other, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like, awful. <laughs> yeah, he just goes out to ruin baseball games. Um, <laughs> that's awful. So that's all I got to complain about with Vandy. <laughs> but I mean, hell, my guy Walker Bueller is a Vandy grad. So where is Vanderbilt playing? Um, I believe they're hosting. Probably. Yeah, yeah. they got. They're in there with Eastern Illinois, Xavier, and Oregon. And they would have a round two matchup with um, a super regional matchup with Oklahoma State, which would be a lot of fun. Mm. So that's where we're at here. Um, but this weekend and next weekend with the super regionals, that's going to be a um, it's a fun weekend. And you're loaded up. It's like the NCAA tournament in basketball. Like you can watch games from noon till you know, two in the morning. Right. So. Well, get your big league chew and uh, get your uh, Levi Garrett plug and get ready <laughs> to watch some baseball, people. <laughs> and Alabama is in a regional. Drink. They're hosting in Tuscaloosa. Damn I figured, right we are. I figured you'd want to know this. Well, hell, I already knew it. And this is my upset special for the weekend, is Boston College to come out of that region and yeah, beat Alabama. Boston College well, is a tough team. I know, I know. And what would upset Alabama fans more than losing to a team from Boston? <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Oh, that would be beautiful. A lot. Um, Speaking of but win let's streaks, do, how about um, them Reds? Let's do a prediction real quick on who's going to win it all. In baseball? In college baseball. You said you said Ball State, Indiana State. Yeah, but that but that was just uh that was with my heart. My, okay. I, I'm gonna also go partly with my heart, but also uh with a proven track record, and I'm gonna say the Vandy boys do it again. Okay. Who you going with? Mr. Benders? Well, of course, I'm a Bama through and through, and uh, but I'm going to go with the old-fashioned perennial power, uh, a couple of my high school baseball alumni back in the day went to this school and made it a perennial power. I'm going with Oklahoma State. Great pick. I like that. I like the Cowboys here, the Pokes. I'm, uh, I'm going to take Arkansas. You got to ride, like I said last week, riding with right. Omaha Hogs. They're back. They're loaded up. Uh, I feel like they got screwed a little bit in uh, Omaha last year. But they're uh, they're my pick moving forward. So tell me about your Reds, Freddie. Well, I mean, their streak was obviously snapped uh, by almost a, almost a sweep of not only the Cubs and a couple other teams, but almost swept Boston. Speaking of Boston, but we didn't. They got us. <laughs> I don't think they it hurts Cincinnati us. fans as they much. They got us. But uh, I tell you what, the Reds, these young prospects are playing great. McLean had a 10-game hitting streak uh, going on. De La Cruz McLean's is been ready the to... best player on that team since he's right, been called up. Right, yeah. I know. And uh, De La Cruz is coming in, uh, moving up soon, who is the number one uh, prospect out there in Let the Let me land. ask you something. If they bring in up uh, De La Cruz, where's... To play De... shortstop, right. Where's... Jonathan India going to go? Well, no. De La Cruz will play shortstop. Yeah, but the, I thought there was talk about him playing second in the, in the I, bigs. Well, they may I, have to move him around. I, I'm, I'm almost positive he if he comes up to the Reds, they're planning on putting him at second base. Yeah. I'm almost right. positive. Okay, mm-hmm. right. So the question then is where do you put Jonathan India? Who's playing great too? Well, if He's we can spark plug. do anything here and go by what the Reds are going to do, by what they've done in the past, they're probably going to trade Jonathan India away because he's due up for a contract in what <laughs> a year, up, two years. No, I, I'm just saying that's, that's exactly the right. Awful truth of yeah, way, him what him and Hunter Green and Stevenson in a package deal. God, they're going to look good in Dodgers. In a package deal for uh, for someone from the oh, it'll can, or, it'll uh, be for draft picks and a player to be named later. Uh, but let's enjoy it while we can, guys. And uh, the Reds are only a few games out of first place. And Ellie and De La Cruz, out of the seven, I heard this the other day, out of the seven longest home runs hit in all of minor league baseball, 
He has six of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the hell? And dude, he crushed. He's Florida murdering out the ball. The park, uh, I heard at uh, uh, at the bats. I saw a video of it. Out of, he hit it out of the stadium. Yeah. Out of the freaking stadium, dude. <laughs> I mean, this guy's going to be electric. And that's he... your shortstop, fellas. Yeah, he's... <laughs> possibly. I don't know. They're, they'll find a place to put him somewhere, I guess. Um, I kind of hesitate to do this, but I'm going to allow Fred to talk a little bit about these uh, SEC meetings. Well, yeah, there's not much to say uh, except that the vote did come through and Tuna lost. What I lose? Uh, so, like what? What, what was? The well, bet? if you look back to our last show, you said, "Well, we all know it's going to be nine. Yeah. When they have the vote. I didn't well, say they when, had though. the vote, and it was eight. For 2024 At season. Mr. National Treasure for, and Brooks. For the 2024 cup. season, in the long run, right. we know it's oh, going to well, be nine. that's a good bet. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> Future bets, baby. I think they surprised some people, and yes, I get it. Now, obviously, when two other teams come in. Uh, but they did keep it at eight, and uh, uh, as of right now, uh the the latest and greatest is uh, that uh, a couple of the legendary coaches. Well, there's one. Uh, <laughs> the other two are going with him, uh, Kirby and uh, and your boy from. Uh, you LSU. talking about Brian Kelly? Yeah, they're they're all saddling up together. And the legendary Brian and Kelly. And they're heading to Washington to lobby with the senators up there and try to get nil. And the transfer portal and things like that, kind of in line with some, with some rules and regulations. I can see Brian Kelly on the Senate floor right now, being like, "I do declare that we need change <laughs> upon college football." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. We haven't heard my my little guy on YouTube uh, that is the greatest impersonator, Joey Molinaro, in college football. Yeah, uh, but no. They are going, they are going to have some, uh, you know, Sankey uh, has talked to the other commissioners. They're going to go there with some, with some ideas for these brain dead senators up there and try to get something going here to where, and and I know it's the pot calling the kettle black. I know it's uh, 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 hypocrisy. With Saban, who's always been lobbying for, uh, you know, he's been he's been against he's wanted nine games forever, and now he doesn't because he found out the three teams he's going to be locked in against. So now, what you're talking about, uh, like they're the they're teams. going up the legislation for regulation of NIL, not anything to do with the amount of games the SEC's playing against each other. Right. That yeah. has nothing to do yeah, with I don't know why legislation would trying, be involved in that. It's just trying to discuss uh-huh. and, and get some, I, I've seen Saban some, said that they should actually unionize college athletes to make them employees. Now, I'm not sure how that would work um, when you have entities that can pay their employees more money than not than others i'm not sure as a traditionalist old school guy here uh you know the last time i checked athletes uh got a free college education they got free room and board they were welcome to free meals Mm -hmm. this that and the other and i think that that's all that the university should have to give them but the 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 kids should be able to make money on their own name image and likeness like they are now and that's what has to be figured out how to be regulated the minute schools have to start paying these these kids as athletes i don't like that one bit i agree um that would really screw title nine over big time and and, and don't forget some of these schools do not uh guarantee ask Saban what title nine is and he'll tell you about 1984 a lot of these schools do not guarantee that they are going to give you anything kentucky alabama yeah how's that work uh well it isn't working out yeah well you got six people on your basketball but i'm just saying uh that uh you know that some of these coaches and you know what's kind of funny it's 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 the the traditional places, a lot of them, uh, the blue bloods that are thinking that they're that hey, well, no one's gonna come in here and leave us for that. Well, guess what? Yeah, they are. 
But like, and, why would they not guarantee them something? Because they're not the ones guaranteeing them. It's the collectives. I so know, like the fans are donating their money to these collectives to get dispersed to the athletes. But they a lot of them and then they UK collected. Is, well, UK doesn't necessarily uh-huh. play to that collective. Bama has hell. They were the one of mm-hmm. the first people to get a collective. They had Bryce Young had the first mm-hmm. million dollar deal. Now he spun that into all of his teammates too. Can you get someone to do that and not be greedy? Maybe, maybe now, not. I know but that under gets the, team unity because one thing that's going to break team unity is when some dude's getting a whole lot of money and the better player ain't getting as much as the charismatic player. Yeah, it's my understanding <laughs> that there's two rules with NIL as of right now. Number one, you can't use or you can't advertise with tobacco, alcohol, or gambling. Number two is you cannot use these as recruiting tools. Okay, so the coaches and the universities cannot offer this to them. What has to happen is a meeting after the coach leaves where the collective or outside booster or whatever comes in and guarantees these kids money. So there's something being lost between Kentucky's. Yeah, in our uh, contributors in Alabama, like Kentucky, you're giving me nothing. Kansas, you're giving me this and I'm going there like. You know, Jeff Brom will walk out of a room, and then in comes the Louisville guys, and they're like, "This is what we're offering." Right? You. That's their that's their uh-huh. collective that has offices and everything at their university. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Alabama. We all of us have one. U of L has one. You got an office at the university? No, I'm saying that the collectives oh, do. That I got gotcha. and they have their name, their website. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, outside boosters can come in and, and guarantee well, but, these kids something, too. But the collective too. is what they want them to go through. The and collective gets dispersed to all athletes um, at the university. Right. So, but, like, obviously, if you get a big-name player like a DJ Wagner at UK, right. that kid's going to be offered more from a particular booster to do something for him in exchange, and that would be a larger deal. So... That's the guarantee, I think, that this Hunter Dickinson was looking for. Right, right. So the reason why Alabama and Kentucky are not doing that, Kentucky's doing well, it for can, football. Right. They are. They're doing and it they're for football. they're doing well. Why are they not doing it for basketball? Because Calipari is hard-headed and doesn't, uh, is, for whatever reason, is not buying into that. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you that he's lost half of his basketball team now Toshibwe is is going pro. Uh, none of the players came back. Uh, Livingston was going to come back, who was his number one prospect, and he even said if he got if he hadn't stayed in the in the uh, if he had withdrew his name yesterday, mm-hmm. he would have went to another school. Yeah, wow. And that's saying something wow. right there. Now Reeves, uh, who was their leading scorer, uh, may or second leading scorer, leading scorer may uh, come back. But what's he going to come back uh, to? He's I thought gonna... he was going to Memphis. Well, there you go. But I'm just saying, and I'm not. Now, I don't know that for not a fact. To talk That's about a, just... Kentucky and Alabama, but it is interesting that I find find that. Well, th- no, they're the two they... biggest names in their respective sports, right? And right. Um, you know, between basketball, yeah, I'd say and, and Texas football. is up there, and and football, they're. You know what I'm saying? They've well, got a lot. That they can afford whatever they want because their right. boosters have more money than cents, right. and we'll just throw it at whatever. Right. And and Arkansas is doing the same thing. When you have you know Sam Walton money, like Walmart money, and Jerry yeah, Jones, Texas A&M, yeah, yeah. Um, but but it remains to be seen. It's still the Wild West all over the place. But uh, there's a lot going on, and I mean now, I mean you got to throw Colorado's making all kinds of headlines, and with Dion. Over there, uh, They've he, got he's always 40, shaking something up. What is it, 46 players coming in on the transfer portal? It's insane. Like, that's that's unheard of. Right, it's insane. Uh, I just hope he wears his cowboy hat on the sidelines. Oh, uh, God, I hope so, man. That'd be pretty cool. Are you uh, – Charlie Pratt. Are you pulling for him or are you pulling against him? No, I'm pulling for him. Right, I am too. I really yeah. kind of yeah. like I him. I mean, man. Colorado's been a doldrum think, in the Big Twelve for since until uh, McCarthy was there. I so. think having his personality in big time college football just oh, adds something. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, but anyways, yeah. Uh, that I mean, you know, we'll just see what happens, and and we'll uh, 
God, what are we, 93 days from college kickoff today? I was thinking it was less than that. I think it's 93 from when Louisville kicks off on that Friday night game. Yeah, it won't be long. Yeah. Wow. It won't be long. Uh, Fellas, uh, I'm going to throw it around the room and see if we've got any final thoughts here. Uh, Fred, you got anything that we haven't touched on yet? I want to give a shout-out to the Eastern Eagles in uh uh for uh local louisville kentucky uh made it uh into the uh to the state baseball uh did they beat bullet east yesterday no yes. but i want wait okay. a minute i wanted to give them a shout out that they made it uh-huh. into the regionals which is hard to do it's not the regional it's a state tournament state tournament yeah yeah and uh, I have not seen the final of that yet. I just wanted to give them a shout-out. Do we have a final? We do. Uh, it happened yesterday. Eastern beat Bullet East in the state tournament with, check this out, an extra inning, 11th inning, inside the park home run. Wow. Bullet East outfielder misplayed a ball which allowed oh, man. a kid from Eastern to come all the way around and score the winning run. Oh, that poor that kid. Seems like a dive. <laughs> that seems like right now, if you're thinking of it, a dive for a ball and it goes under you and behind you. Right. you gotta get well, up. did you guys see this? Where the um, It was a state tournament, state championship game. I forget which state. High school state championship oh, game. Drop third strike. Drop third strike. Pitcher picks the ball up. They all dogpile on him. Two guy runs, runs around, two runs go around and two score. Two runs scored on a dropped third strike after they thought uh, they won. Oh, no, I did see that. Yeah. I heard about it. Yeah, totally crazy. Imagine like, living uh, with that, man. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, also, June 10th. Uh, June 10th, folks. Don't forget Champions League final. Champions League final between Inter Milan and Manchester City. It's going to be great. 3 o'clock, June 10th. And another thing, the USA men's under 20 is on fire. World Cup, under 20. Uh, they are in the quarters against Uruguay. Coming when is that up. game? Do you know? I'm not sure, but they uh, Uruguay won 1-0 one, one, one uh, yesterday, I think. or uh, And it is now, uh, we have uh, not given up a goal yet. And undefeated and coming out of our uh, uh, group and ready to start the quarterfinals and see if a, a team of young USA teams, a couple of players, matter of fact, from Louisville FC um, that are that are really playing well and uh, can't wait to see how they uh, do. Uh, on through uh, through throughout the uh, the rest of the games. That game against Uruguay is this Sunday at five o'clock on Fox Sports Two. There you go. Yeah, they're all on the Fox Fox One or Two. Uh, all those games. I don't even think people know that USA under twenty. And, that, and dude, that's big time for USA to have some. Sure, it is. Some uh, some players that can compete against uh, some of the. I mean, think about it, guys. In the World Cup and on this stage, it's just like the NBA. The young players are the ones that rule the roost, okay? The 16, 17, and 18-year-olds are the ones getting all the millions and trillions of dollars in club soccer over there. So they're the ones that you want to watch uh, moving forward. So they may not be the names that you hear but folks, Ronaldo and Messi and them—they're gone. Okay, Ronaldo's playing in Saudi Arabia like the freaking uh, the the golf tour over there, and he's not—you know—he he he's past his prime and over with. So it's time for new blood. That's it for Freddie. See you, Ronaldo. <laughs> Tuna, you got anything? Yeah, um, this is a. Nice weekend for a little throwback rivalry with the uh, Dodgers and Yankees going at each other for a weekend series. Uh, There's a great documentary, 30 for 30, on ESPN Plus uh, about the Dodgers-Yankees rivalry. And um, if you get time, watch that. And also, uh, I watched a great documentary about 
a rivalry between Mexico and um, the United States. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Good Rivals. Uh, you guys should check it out. Um, you know what? I, is that still on there? I, mean, I have no idea, it, man. It, it may I, have cycled off. No, I now. ordered my VHS tape in the on, on eBay. It's on, It's a beta. It's on its way. Uh, no, I was watching that, and I had to switch over to – uh, the rules. thirty, the thirty for thirty on the uh, American Gladiators. Yes, yeah, buddy. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm going to watch that Sunday. Oh uh, well, guess what? There's two parts: part yeah. one and part two. Okay. And part one was, dude. The real quick. The it's we we'll talk about this maybe on the next show after they're done, but the training room backstage for this thing was like a ER ward. I've never seen nothing like it. I've never seen more injuries and blood and everything as these games are going on. It's insane. Anyways, we will talk more about that. If people don't know that that is that 30 for 30 going, it's part one is, uh, has already been played and part two is coming up. Good deal. Awesome. Uh, guys, thanks again for listening. My final thing will be uh, if you enjoyed the Indianapolis 500, please Look on NBC this weekend and uh, watch this weekend's IndyCar festivities from the streets of Detroit. We want to thank everybody for listening. Next week should be a unique episode with Fred calling in Beachside, our friend Eric Eichenberger, uh, talking all things NBA Finals. With that being said, for the big fellow of the tuna country, Matt Kemp, and the fabulous Freddie Benders, this is Travis Carter saying... So long, everybody.